Alex here on the Brandon's World Podcast. Brandon sits down with all things Cleveland Cowboys co-host Joey Snyder to do what talks all things not cast, including what's going on in Cleveland with the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. The NFL Draft. Major League Baseball starting their 162-game season April 7th. The rule change in Major League Baseball and professional wrestling, including WrestleMania. The Brandon's World Podcast starts now. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening live here to a special edition of Brandon's World. Today, I have with me somebody who I have only known now for about five or six months, but somebody who I value, somebody who I trust, somebody whose chemistry I have grown with, and somebody who I am very looking forward to having a different discussion on the air with than we typically have. This man today is my co-host of the All Things Cleveland Cowboys podcast for Believe When Media. Let me introduce you to him now, Joey Schneider. Welcome to the show. What is going on, Brandon? I, I got to tell you, I am really excited to be in Brandon's world, branching out on all things sports, sports entertainment. Oh, man, I really appreciate the uh, the invite. And this is going to be this would be so much fun. I can't wait. I can't wait for everything we're going to talk about. Not just not just NBA. If we even talk NBA, oh, my God, we're going to get the branch out. It's going to be a lot of fun. What's on your mind, man? Let's let, let's jump in. Let's start. <laughs> with the news now there's a reason because i was going to record a podcast (laughs) this morning then everything kind of broke out all the news broke and i was like you know what let it wait let it simmer we can record the podcast another day um news broke out this morning deshaun watson told said no to the cleveland browns his decision is down to the saints and the falcons now, the first question I want to just ask you, and I'll throw kind of a general question. Let's take it from the Brown standpoint here. Your whole thoughts on what's been going on the last couple of days when it comes to Jimmy Aslam and the regime meeting with Deshaun Watson, and now ultimately this decision, and then what it means in your eyes for Baker Mayfield and the future of the Browns quarterback position going forward. So, okay. So, you know, I've been a Browns fan my entire life. I know you're an Eagles fan. So this is going to be kind of, you know, it's going to be pretty fun. As a Browns fan, we we always hope to get the best player, you know, just as a Cleveland fan in general. And, you know, I know you're a Cavs fan and, uh, you know, a, a Guardians fan, but the NFL is a different beast, especially here in Cleveland. You know, it is it is a Browns town. You know, I mean, we always support the teams no matter what, but especially when they're winning. Uh, but but even when they're losing, it's a Browns town. You know, so going into this, I thought, well, they must really have a realistic chance of getting Deshaun Watson, or else, or else, why why would they be this? Uh, this public with it because Andrew Barry, Stefanski, they don't, they don't really go about their business, especially when it comes to to trading or signing people uh, um, out in the public. They're not transparent with it. They like to keep that stuff close to the best. So this was really kind of jarring for a lot of Browns fans going, well, okay. So you're just kind of saying, you know, screw Baker and we're going to go all in for Deshaun Watson. 
and I, the, I think the biggest thing that really sh- kind of shocked me was Andrew Barry is just, that's not who he is. The things he does are very, very precise. So going into a bidding war, a very public bidding war, while your starting QB is still on the team, just didn't seem like his style. And now, you know, Baker's already penned his goodbye letter and we ended up did, you know, Deshaun Watson has ruled out Cleveland, which, you know, and let me say this, if Deshaun Watson valued winning, he would have came to the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are the most complete team out of the four teams that he had to choose from, you know, which was Carolina, the Saints, uh, Atlanta and, and Cleveland. If he if he valued winning, he would have came to the Browns. Now I'm sure there's a whole lot of other factors. I'm not Deshaun Watson. I'm not you know I don't know exactly what's going through his head, nor do I care. But I I definitely think if he valued winning the most, Cleveland would have been the place to go. I, you know Browns would have been almost the favorite to win to win the Super Bowl with Watson. Um, you know personally. You know, I was torn on Watson because there's, there, you know, it's there's two different people there. There is Deshaun Watson, the NFL player, and then Deshaun Watson, you know, everything else going on in his life. So there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, of being torn. I think a lot of Browns fans were. I think that the prospect of winning overtook the, you know, the other aspects of, that are going on in, in his life. And I don't really want to get into that just because, you know, I'm, it's not me to pass judgment on someone, especially on a legal matter that, you know, is, it, it's, it's, it is what it is. Um, but, but the way that everything was handled was handled so poorly by everybody that now we did not get Deshaun Watson. You didn't get the Hail Mary you went for. And I don't know if this was even A.B., you know, if this was Barry and Stefanski, or if this was maybe Jimmy Haslam jumping in saying, all right, no, you know what, we're going to try it my way now. But, you know, we didn't get Deshaun Watson. I don't think you can repair the relationship with Baker Mayfield. And if I'm being honest, I wouldn't want to, because as much – I, I at first said that I would have ran it back with Baker, but then after, you know, his look at me letter, you know, feel sorry for me, pity letter, which I, I absolutely hated. Um, you know, he's, he's, he stayed on social media for so long, but then, you know, he had to get that shot and got torn up nationally in the media for it. And now it's like, you know what, what's plan C then, you know, what <clears throat> we got to go somewhere. Is it Jimmy G? Is it signing Jameis Winston? I'm good with I'm good with really either of those. You know, I don't really view Jimmy G as an upgrade. Uh, I do, you know, view Winston a little bit of an upgrade, especially after his blazing start last year uh, before he, you know, before he got hurt. Um, but there's got there's got to be another plan. You know, I I refuse to believe that with the roster they have right now, with the cap space that they have right now. They're just going to roll into the season with Case Keenum, or they're going to sign Gardner Minshew, or so you know someone like that. Like, there's got to be something in place because this team is basically a quarterback away from really competing. They went eight and nine with a broken with a broken Baker Mayfield, who was a bottom five quarterback. You went eight and nine, 
And realistically, you had, what, four or five games that were one possession games that you should have won, but Baker either choked or we couldn't, you know, beginning of the year, we couldn't stop the team. You know, I, I, what was it? Yeah, I think there was like five games where we lost by a touchdown or less. You're at that point, you you win those five games. You're 13 and four. And guess what? You're in the playoffs. We are a quarterback away. And I know it's the most that is the position that's. I, I think outside of a, you know, outside of a really good uh, uh, um, defensive end, you know, pass rusher, like, you know, like, thank God we got Miles Garrett because he's the anchor of our D. I think the quarterback, you know, quarterback is the most important position. And I think I don't know anyone that would disagree with me on that. So we are one, you know, we're a, we're a quarterback away. And it doesn't even have to be a superstar quarterback. I think we are one above average quarterback away from 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 not just contending and competing but having a legitimate super bowl you know having legitimate super bowl aspirations so (sighs) everything that happened happened you can't go back you can't change it i think a lot of things were handled poorly by the front office i think that baker mayfield handled his side of it poorly and you know, we are in the situation we are. The Browns is the Browns again. You know, I, I'm not even going to argue with Juju Smith-Schuster because it just, it seems like it's, 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 it's gonna, it constantly happens. And we, what, what do we do from here? You know, that's what everyone, that's, that's the question. What is that, you know, what do we do from here? That's what everyone wants to know. And we're sitting on this cap money. There's still players out there that we can grab that we need, such as, you know, maybe a Bobby Wagner, uh, uh, a Tyron Matthew, uh, Allen Robinson is out there. I mean, there's still players out there that can help this Browns team win. And we're, we're kind of just sitting at our hands and we were waiting for, for Watson. We didn't get him. We got to start moving quickly and let's hope that it gets, you know, something gets done here soon. So we know that in sports, sometimes the best deals are the ones that you don't make. Right. And as much as I love Deshaun Watson, as much as I think me and you would both agree he is an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, giving up three first-round picks plus Kareem Hunt plus Denzel Ward, which is what was being reported and reported by also a second-round pick, and then you add in the fact that I think even with Deshaun Watson, which I think would put the Browns in that Super Bowl bubble or tier, if you will, You know, Amari Cooper, I mentioned to you before privately, I think he's a good receiver. I don't think he is a number one receiver. I still think the Browns need to go out in the draft and get one in the first round, which I think they very well could still do at number 13. If they don't go out and they get another free agent receiver, you know, even though Mm -hmm. you bring back Anthony Walker, uh, I still think, you know, with JOK, you know, obviously Mac Wilson going to New England, a linebacker could be another position of need. Um, you know, I I could argue too, Denzel Ward, as much as we all love him, he's been hurt a lot. Maybe they go out in the second or third round. Maybe they go out and they get another corner, you know, because Greedy Williams hasn't been healthy. And we've seen, as I mentioned, Denzel get hurt. And I believe Greg Newsom also missed a couple of games last year due to injury. But, you know, so I think in the long run, I think the Browns are going to get a lot of good players from the straps, and I'm hoping they do. I, um, I think the Browns may have made their mind up. At the end of last season, Stefanski, Andrew Berry, 
They made their minds up that Baker Mayfield was not going to be the starting quarterback in 2022. I I think that just a couple of, of points I want to I want to get you know get to kind of off of what you said. I think they made up that decision when he started calling out Stefanski at the end of last year. Uh, Baker was obviously fed up <clears throat> with <clears throat> excuse me with whatever you know, whatever the problem was, and you, you can't do that. If you want, if you have an issue with your coach, you talk to him privately. You don't do it publicly. Then he didn't come out and he didn't talk to the media after the Detroit game because he was quote unquote frustrated, which basically is another word of saying that he was, you know, crying in the locker room. <clears throat> You're getting all worked up. Yeah, <clears throat> man, I've been talking all morning with, <laughs> with so many people, uh, you know, about about this, uh, you know, as you know, as as we do, you know, it's, it's what we do. So, uh, and then kind of getting to your point with uh, the draft, I think uh, you said, you know, that you think that we need to take a receiver. I don't know if we still necessarily need to take a receiver. Um, it depends on if we grab someone else, a free agency, you know, just uh, I think this morning, Cole Beasley was released from the bills. So, you know, that that's an option out there. Uh, you know, if we get another QB, Hey, you know what, maybe do we, do we restructure Jarvis and bring him back? Is that, is, is that, is that uh, still an option on the table? You know, I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things, you know, we don't know. And to your Cooper point, I a hundred percent disagree with you on Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper in seven seasons has had five, 1000 yard uh, seasons. Uh, over you know over a thousand yards receiving last year was a was a down year for Amari Cooper. He had 865 yards receiving and eight touchdowns. And you know you know an article I wrote for uh, Believeland Media. You can go and check it out. To put that into perspective, and I'm almost quoting myself here. To put that in perspective from from the Browns' point of view, last year their number one receiver in yards was Donovan Peoples Jones who had under 600 yards. I think he had like 597. That was their leader. Amari Cooper had 865. The Browns' leading receiver in touchdowns was David Njoku with four. Amari Cooper had eight. And this was an off, an off season, an off year for Amari Cooper. And he still almost had 1,000 yards receiving and eight touchdowns. Now I get it. He had Dak throwing to him. And, you know, you know, they had Michael Gallup, but I think Gallup got injured, you know, at that, you know, towards the end as well. Cooper still has <clears throat> some really good years left in him. I mean, he's only, I mean, he's only 28 years old. Yeah. I think he just turned 28. So he's, he still has, he still has years left. He's not Julio Jones. And I see, I even think Julio Jones would be a solid pickup on like a one year. I mean, I know he's older, but look at someone like Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, he's, he was productive until you know 36 37 so i i think i think cooper is definitely a, a, a wide receiver one i think the browns could still take a receiver at number 13 but you know depending on if they can grab you know you know you know just out of sheer whatever they somehow get Allen robinson uh you know then that, that opens up just a you know a whole bunch of uh options at 13 but yeah i mean if, if they don't get another receiver through free agency they they almost i think you're probably looking at a wide receiver with your first and second round pick uh also the browns traded for uh chase uh, winovich 
they sent Mac Wilson to the Patriots, got Chase Winovich uh, in the trade. I think that was a that was a heck of a deal, really. Um, I think Winovich is actually much better than Mac Wilson is. Uh, he can play, you know, he plays outside linebacker, but he can also line up at, uh, on the edge and rush. Uh, he's had a fairly productive career with the Patriots, and it also saved the Browns of one and a half million in cap space, even though it's the last year of his contract. But I thought that was a you know a pretty smart move, especially when you need an edge rusher, and it never you know it never hurts to have too many linebackers. So uh, I thought that was a great move, but you know we'll see going forward what what the next what the next moves are, what the next steps are, because the Browns got a lot of work to do, and they don't got a whole hell of a lot of time to do it. And the thing is, I mean, the the AFC is completely different than the NFC. I mean, mm-hmm. the AFC West completely, you know, those, those four teams, you know, all four of them realistically, one of them is probably not going to make the postseason. And, you know, I would say maybe two of them may not make the postseason. When you take over the other teams, you know, AFC North, you have uh, Cincinnati coming back. Baltimore, I think, will be better than they were last year. People mm-hmm. forget that they were the number one seed until Lamar Jackson got hurt, and they literally had no corners at the last back half of the season. I think they, they were literally down to like fifth and sixth practice squad corners. Um, Pittsburgh, you know, as much as, you know, Mitch Trubisky isn't the greatest quarterback in the world, I could argue he's a winner of an upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger. Miles, mm. yes, no. Mitch Trubisky's mm. an upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger. He absolutely yeah. is. I don't know. How can so, you say that? Joey, Mitch Trubisky's <laughs> an upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger. Literally cannot move or throw the football two yards at the end of last season. I'm sorry. He just is. And Pittsburgh, listen, they got murdered by Kansas City last year in the wild card game. Fact is, though, some way, somehow, by hook or by crook, by the Colts losing to Jacksonville, they did make the postseason. They did add Miles Jack, who's a really good linebacker. Yep. They they arguably do have the best defense in the division. Baltimore certainly up there now with yeah. Williams and Cedarius Smith. But like Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. No. Like, and so you'll look at that now, and it's like with all of those teams who so put those three teams in, plus you have the, the AFC West that's seven, you add in Buffalo. Uh, obviously, I think Tennessee, who knows what Indianapolis is going to do at quarterback. New England is always going to be in that conversation as long as Bill Belichick is there. So that's all these teams. And the Browns are also mixed in with those teams. And it's the AFC is one of the most stacked conferences right now that I've seen really in a long time. Um I'm certainly glad that my favorite football team is not a part of it. Uh, I've always called myself a Browns observer. My friend Quentin Griffin from Black Star Radio, who's a Vikings fan, named us that. From Cleveland, we're not Browns fans, but we observe for the Browns. We root for the Browns. We follow the Browns. We care about the Browns. And so, you know, we'll see what they do. Um, but you're right. They don't have much time. No, and, you know, as you alluded to, I mean, not even alluded to, you just flat out said the AFC, I, you know, I don't know if the AFC has been this stacked with this many good quarterbacks almost ever. I mean, you look, I mean, look around. I mean, like you said, just in the AFC West, what do you got? Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, and uh, who am I missing? Yeah, Mahomes, Wilson, Mahal, Carr, Mahomes, Herbert. Mahomes, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, oh, my God. And, you know, you got Joe Burrow, you got Lamar Jackson, 
in the uh, you know in the in the AFC North. You got Josh Allen. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, God, I mean, it's it's crazy how good the, the QBs are. And you know, something you brought up is I feel like the Steelers and the Ravens started stocking up on their defense as like a precaution just in case the Browns did get to Sean Watson. So the Steelers go out with, you know, they already, Steelers always have a great defense. They still have a great defense. And then they go and get Miles Jack, who, you know, he's not a pro bowler, but he could be, he could have been. I mean, he, you know, he, he has almost over a hundred tackles every season. He's, he's, you know, he blazes off of the side. He's great in coverage. He can spy the Q, you know, really fast QBs. Uh, so that was a great pickup. And on top of that, you had Baltimore bring, bring back Darius Smith. I mean, you know, top top tier linebacker and a great and, scheme fit. It was a three four outside linebacker, which but well, they always run. He could well, touch the passer. Yeah, I mean, he played for Baltimore before he went to right. the Packers. Before he played for the Packers, so they brought him back. So now, you know, the rich got richer in the AFC North with uh, you know, uh, the Bengals also got. I think they got a. Uh, they got, got. Marpet or Kappa, one of the guards. They got Kappa. They got Kappa. They got Kappa. And that, they got that's Ted Harris from from New England, who's going to play center. Right. So they they, so they, they boosted their they, they boosted their offensive lines so Joe Burrow doesn't get killed every game. Because I mean, he was one of the most sacked QBs in the league, and you know, but he was also one of the best QBs in the league too. So you know, Cincinnati, who's you know, their offense was their was their strength, has gotten better. Uh, the Steelers defense has gotten better and they always had a great defense. You know, the, the Ravens who are, you know, pretty much good everywhere. They need, they need, they still need receivers if, you know, if I'm being honest, but uh, the, the Steelers uh, uh, defense, which is, is, which is almost perennially good. They got better. Where have the Browns gotten better on, on, with the exception of Amari Cooper? I, they, they haven't. And actually, you know, we, now we don't have a cute, who, who's going to throw to them. I mean, we, we, we may, you know, if, if something doesn't get done, we could be rolling, rolling into the season with Case Keenum as our QB. Which is a scary proposition because I, I actually would argue if Case Keenum is the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. But they're trying to tank. He may, well, that, but you will walk, and the Browns have a great roster. It's, it's yeah. almost Denver-esque from last year where Denver was, you know, they maybe were going in with like a Drew Locke. Obviously, they decided to go with Teddy Bridgewater, you know, but Drew Locke, who I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, but if you go in with Case Keenum, would he not be like maybe next to Daniel Jones or if Seattle decides to go with freaking Drew Locke? Like bottom three starting quarterback in the National Football League? Mm. That's a tough question because, I mean, Case Keenum surprised before. So, I mean, you don't know, but the one thing Case Keenum hasn't done is lost the locker room. He hasn't lost the confidence, uh, you know, of the locker room. So I'm not going to sit here and say Case Keenum is better than Baker Mayfield or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, as of right now, they don't, the Browns don't have a – I mean, unless they try to repair their relationship with Baker – which I'm not for at all. Like, you know, he got dragged through the mud. 
you know, try to trade them and, 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 and roll with what you got because, you know, 2023's draft class is looking pretty good as far as QBs go. Even if it's not a QB, you're going to get an elite player somewhere. Um, but, you know. The Browns and Colts are in a very similar situation right now. I'd say those. See, I hate comparing teams, but the one thing I'm going to say, the Browns have the the Browns have the best team without a quarterback in the NFL. They do, but I'm saying like with with Indy too, like they they dumped Wentz to Washington, mm-hmm. seemingly in my opinion, without a plan. I mean, it it may very well be at this point they're only keeping the roster. I believe is Sam Ellinger. They they may have somebody else well that yeah. I'm not thinking of at the time of my head. But Ellinger and the Browns right now are with Case Keenum and Nick Moore. Obviously, that could change. We just saw, hey, entering the NFC South this year, a month ago, the NFC South looked like a complete disaster. And they just added back Tom Brady to Tampa and Atlanta and Deshaun Watson maybe hooking up soon. So could be interesting. I do want to switch gears, though. I want to talk about the draft. I know you are a big draft guy, Joey. I know that's one of your favorite things to do throughout the season is look at this draft. So, you know, give me, I guess, your your overall perspective of this draft, maybe some guys that you like. Um, you know, if you want to talk about a certain team here or there, go ahead. I'm going to kind of give you the floor here. So... <clears throat> As far as the Browns go, you know, the Browns have the 13th pick. I think that they, you know, depending their, their entire draft almost predicates on what they do in free agency. If they can, if they can grab a couple more free agents or maybe even trade for someone, you know, cause you never know what someone, you know, what, what a team wants for a receiver, you know, maybe they're not as high on them as other teams and you can give up a, you know, a sixth round or a third round for, you know, a really good receiver. I mean, we got Amari Cooper for a fifth round and a sixth, six round big swap. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen with that. I think if they're, if they're not able to get a receiver, the Browns are going to, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna probably take a receiver at 13 and it would just it would just depend on on who who they value. I think Garrett Wilson would fit in really well with Amari Cooper. You know, a lot of people want a lot of people want real big guys, but just because you're big doesn't mean you're good. You know, I, I do. I'm also a fan of of, of uh, you know, Trayvon Burks from Arkansas. Uh, you know, it's really hard to be on not a great team in the SEC but stand out like like Burks does. I mean, he's a big physical receiver, 6'3", 225. Uh, he had, you know, he had poor showing uh, as far as his 40 goes at the combine brand of four, five, five, but that that's the, that's deceiving. He's got a ridiculously quick first step and can definitely, uh, you know, I, I think he'll improve that 40 time on his pro day. I think what the Browns should do though Regardless of anything, because I unless somebody elite falls to the Browns, like maybe Kyle Hamilton, you know, safety from Notre Dame. I mean, that's like that's an elite, elite player, or maybe Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU. Um, even someone maybe like a Sauce Gardner, cornerback from Cincinnati. You know, you might not have to pay Denzel Ward. As much as I love Denzel Ward. You know, if you can get one, if you if, if an elite cornerback drops you, save the money. Yep. You know, use it somewhere else. But 
if if that does not happen and I'm not, I just don't see it happening at that point, I think the Browns should look at trading back. I think if you, I think that the Browns can trade back into the early to mid twenties, still grab a receiver. If they, if, if that's what they want to go or, uh, or a defensive line or def- they could go defensive line as well. And I think if you trade that far back, you could potentially pick up a first round pick in the 2023 draft, which I have told you, you know, off air, I view as an, you know, a very, very big draft. There's, there is some monsters coming out in the 2023 draft. So, you know, people talk about bridge QBs, maybe this is your bridge draft, you know, because the team is good right now. If you can, like I said, if you can get a wide receiver, you know, go for it. Uh, and then, you know, trade back in the draft, try to pick up a first rounder next year from, you know, uh, you know, another team uh, who wants to draft 13 instead of, you know, 24 to 28 and uh, see what happens. But, you know, I also, I'm also a big fan of, um, um, I like Drake London. Uh, I think he's, he's a heck of a, He's a heck of a receiver. You know, he was hurt a lot last year. Um, you know, pretty much you, you could go any of the five top receivers, Alave, Wilson, London, Burks, and um Jamison Williams Jamison Jameson Williams. And you're 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 you can't go wrong. Now, obviously, the one knock on Jamison Williams is that he, you know, he tore his ACL at, at you know late in the season last year. I want to say it was in the cha- in the championship game. Yep. Um, so he won't be ready for the beginning of the season. But I will say this: I actually think Jamison Wilson, Wilson, sorry, Jamison Williams, Jamison Williams might be the best receiver in this class. I agree with you. He's six two. He's I think two fifteen. He's insanely fast. You got to see how fast he's going to be after that ACL tear. But I don't, you know, ACL tears now are not the same as they were years ago where, you know, once it happened, you were done, you would never be the same. There's players who have come back from ACL tear stronger than, you know, than they've ever. Right. So, uh, however, I, I will tell you, um, I do not have the Browns taking uh, Jamison Williams. I have the Philadelphia Eagles taking Jamison Williams at pick number 19. You know, I would run down my street screaming excitedly. <laughs> and I'm not physically able to do that, not physically able to do that, but I will mentally <clears throat> be able to do that. I I think that, you know, I think that he may have been a top 10 pick uh, had he not gotten hurt. Um but since he did get hurt, he's going to fall because he can't play right away. And that's a, that's a big thing. You know, teams, teams, you know, they want guys and they want guys right now. Um, and I think the Eagles with three picks in the first round. I think they're going to use one of them on Jamison Williams. They need, they, they need a receiver. They got, you know, I think they could still probably sign a, you know, a receiver if they needed, maybe like a Cole Beasley or something like that. Um, I also, you know, I think Derek Stingley Jr. might actually even fall past the Browns and the yeah. Browns, you know, maybe if the, you know, the Browns, tra- the Browns trade out, you know, Stingley Jr. could fall to the Eagles. Certainly, he's a corner. 
Yeah, uh, I another guy uh, I, that I have uh, slotted to the Eagles is Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah. Yeah, I've seen um, a lot of mocks too with him projected. He, I I actually well I actually so it's actually Lloyd slash Nicobe Dean. Okay, because one of them is going either one of them is going to fall. Uh, Dean needs to put on some weight. He he's a flyer, dude flies. Um, he he reminds me a little bit of uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa okay. from the Browns, um, except he's shorter. Um, I, he, I think he's six feet. Uh, JOK is six two, uh, but he's I think the JOK is like two twenty eight, mm. and uh, uh, Nicobe Dean's two twenty five. But you got you, know, you got that height difference, but then the same weight. So essentially, you're just you know you're just you're just more muscle. Okay you know, he's stocky, a little bit more stocky, but if he, you know, he puts on 10, 15 pounds, six foot, two forty. you know, flying around the field. He had six and a half sacks last year. Uh, I think he had two interceptions. I mean, the, the guy could fly. So, you know, then you got, you know, Devin Lloyd from Utah, six, three, two forty, big, strong, fast. I either one would be amazing. You know, I also have, you know, you could get some uh, huge influx of, uh, you know, offensive lineman who maybe uh, fall, maybe someone like Charlie Cross from Mississippi State. If you know, if he fell, that'd be a great pick for the Eagles. Um, if they, they want to go defense, guy that I love. You know, if they want to go defensive line, guy that I love. Guy that I love to see the Browns take if they stay at thirteen. Jordan Davis from Georgia. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you also got Walker from Georgia, who I like mm-hmm. as well. Very versatile. Uh, can play both defensive end and. Uh, uh, defensive tackle. So when you kind of you have that versatility, it opens up a lot of different schemes for defense, which is great. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of players out there, and you know, in this draft, and this draft is very weird for me because it's it's very deep, but there's not as much elite talent at the top. I would right. say there's, right. I would say there, there's a lot of B guys, but. Basically, what you're saying is like there's a lot of maybe late first to second round picks that maybe could go in like the mid first round, and maybe in other drafts we move down a little bit. I'm saying that there's there's way more uncertainty around the top guys than in any other draft. So you know, I think there might be two or three elite corners in this draft. You know. Um, Obviously, Gardner, Derek Stingley Jr. Uh, yeah, God, there's one more. I can't remember. I don't have my the auto my list in front of me. I was totally unprepared for today. Sorry. Uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton, safety from Notre Dame. I think yep. that he's he's the lead. Evan Neal is the lead. Charlie Cross is the lead. Aiden um, Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson. Well, yeah, I was getting to it, Brandon. <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, there's a good run on on uh on um pass rushers guys that had solid years in, in college and could be elite in the NFL, you know, David Ajabo from, from Michigan, you know, opposite of in Hutchinson had 11 sacks. Remember when Aiden Hutchinson got all the, he got all the, the press cause you know, he had 14 or 14 right. and a half, but you had a jab at 11 behind him. You have Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State, a transfer from Georgia, had 14 sacks. I think he was seventh in, in NCAA. Uh, you know, then you have the receivers. I mean, there's probably 15 receivers, that, you know, 
you know, the, the, the five that I named that are probably going to go first round. And then after that, there's still 10 more receivers that could be extremely good in the NFL. This is definitely one of the best receiving classes I've seen in a long time. Um, so, you know, this draft is going to be very interesting. You know, there, you have value well into the third, into the third round of guys that, you know, look at a guy like Justin Ross from Clemson. You know, he had one down year because he didn't because he because he had a, he had I don't even know who the quarterback for Clemson was, right. but you know he you know he didn't have Trevor Lawrence thrown to him. Justin Ross was viewed as a first round pick a year ago, right? Yeah, you know, he got hurt, and now they're saying you know he might be a third round, maybe a fourth round what pick. I, mean, I take I take him in the third round without even thinking about right, it. Right, right. I mean, you're six three, big, strong. I mean, he's like basically like another you know another T Higgins. Who had a great year with with uh, with the Bengals, um, but you know, this draft is just it's it's just it's really weird this year. I think a lot of teams are actually going to get a lot of good players. I think you're going to see that like this draft was going to be a draft that really rounded out a lot of rosters with with solid players. Uh, the Eagles are very lucky to have three first round picks because I think I think someone magnificent is going to fall into that, you know, into 15, 16, and then they're going to, you know, if they wanted to pick up Jamison Williams, he, I think he's going to be there and they, and they can sit on him. I mean, they have, you know, you got the time you yep. made the playoffs last year, Yep. you know, and then if you could pick up, you know, an offensive, uh, an offensive lineman to help protect Jalen hurts, you know, put, you know, next to Travis Kelsey, uh, not Travis Kelsey, Jason, Jason, Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. Um, well, you know, people, all, all pe- better. people forget about, uh, Isaac Samo because he was a fourth round pick out of Oregon State that was in 2017. Oh, he's a, he's a really good guard. Him, yeah, him and Dickerson. I don't know which one's going to play left or right. One of the two, they will both play. One of them's going to play left. One of them's going to play right. They're going to put Kelsey at center with Malaya left tackle and Wayne Johnson at right tackle. So if they do draft a lineman, I think you know they could definitely draft an offensive lineman first round. It could be second round. It will be more like a Wayne and Dickerson situation, though, where, you know, we know it's very rare that all five offensive linemen start and play all 16 games of the season. Howie Roseman and the Eagles historically, over the last decade, they invest very heavily in offensive line and defensive line. In the trenches, early in the draft, and in free agency, and I could see them doing it again this year. You know, I agree with you. I think that they do have they do have a solid offensive line. I'm saying, if if, if there's someone like a Charlie Cross who falls down that far, it would be very hard to pass up on, on him, especially when you're trying to protect Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, nothing take, not taking away anything from the Eagles' offensive line because they are, you know, they are fairly good. But I think that there is there is an upgrade to be made there. So if you know if someone if someone like that falls down because Evan Neal's not going to fall down to right, you know, fifteen no. or sixteen, but someone like Charlie Cross, who you know I actually have going to the top ten, he could he could very well fall to you know uh, a fifteen sixteen, and that would be a nice a great pickup for the Eagles to protect. Yeah, you know, just like you know someone like a Derek Stingley or a Kobe Dean or Devin Lloyd, any of these players that, that are going to fall, Eagles are going to be right there to pick them up. You know, you guys got what, 15, 16, 19 or 16, yes. seven, Correct. Yeah, 15, yeah, 16, right. 19. 15, I mean, God, I mean, you're going to get a ton of value 
right, right, you know, right there in the middle. I, I mean, I, I can also see the Eagles maybe potentially trading out of one of those spots. I could do. I mentioned that to you privately. Um, yeah. You, you know, I, Howie Roseman said just because we have free first round picks doesn't mean that we have to make free first round picks. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I think it would be smart to trade out. The only, you know, sitting at that, at those positions though, uh, you know, with with 15 and 16, I almost feel like you're gonna have to you're gonna take somebody because someone's gonna fall to you there. Yep. So yeah, there's gonna be a, a player who you feel is a game changer that could fall to you. I think if you're gonna trade a pick, it's probably gonna be 19. You're probably gonna trade back into the late 20s, and you could potentially get a second and a third back in return for it. So that would be something that you would have to think that you know, the, the team would have to think about. Um, I don't think you're probably, you know, I don't think you're gonna get a first round next year for the 19th pick. Uh, but I think that, you know, picking up an extra two and three in this year's draft. Yeah. Would, I mean, with as deep as I think it is, you're, you're getting good players. Before we move off the NFL stuff and get to other topics, I'm going to give you a chance to guess the player of the shirt that I am wearing today. Uh, I know you can see that I'm wearing a, a Eagle shirt. It is number 24. This player was on the team in 2011. He's a defensive Look. back. Oof. He was on the Eagles' dream team that had Michael Vick and Vince Young and uh, Jeremy Macklin and Rashawn McCoy and all of those Eagles players. This player was highly bidded for in free agency, won by the Eagles, and never worked out. So he never worked out for the Eagles. He was he was he was he was traded for. He was signed in free agency. He was signed in free agency. There okay. was a bidding war between okay. us. I think Baltimore was also involved. Oh, okay. 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 I am going to go on a limb here. Nanambi Asamoa. Yes, it is. Okay. It is Nambi Asamoa. <laughs> This is showing my true Eagles fandom today. As soon as you said it was a bidding war with the with, with, with the with the Ravens, I'm like, it's gotta be I because he came from the Raiders, didn't he? Yep, yep. Yeah. Nandi, I never were. We had Dominic Rogers Comardi, <laughs> Asante Samuel, the dream team, before, Jason Fabin. I was Alan actually Jenkins. before you said he was a cornerback, I was gonna say LaShawn McCoy. Well, and then, <laughs> McCoy was 25. Oh, so, yeah, but see, I, I saw – I knew it was 20-something. I'm like, yeah. I, he couldn't make it that easy, though. <laughs> I am wearing a white T-shirt as uh, I I have been just on, on the phone with many people about the Browns today, so didn't get a chance to get my jersey on or anything like that. Oh, I th- wait, I, oh wait, never mind. Okay. Well, no, one – I was like, well, you have the jersey no, curse. Right. You have the jersey curse. So yeah. I was like, what are you doing wearing an Eagles with a number with a number on it? Okay, yeah. past Eagles, fine, whatever. It doesn't matter. All right, moving on. Let's uh, some baseball. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on major league baseball. There's not a lot to talk about, especially what's going on with our Cleveland Guardians. There's nothing to really talk about with our Cleveland Guardians. We spent basically nothing. We have a backup catcher. That's all we spent our money on. What I want to what 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 I want to spend time on is two things both really off the field stuff. Number one is I have been saying on my podcast since the MLB walkout started that I've been saying it since the MLB walkout ended. 
I literally cannot believe, I'm still going over my head, that baseball is actually going to start on time and have 162 games. I thought there was no way possible, especially when 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 they when they delayed opening day, when they announced the first two series of the season was delayed, basically. I said, uh, Mel and Max for our Guardians of the CLE podcast and Believe in Media, they are in trouble. Because <laughs> I thought we're not going to get baseball until at least maybe June, if not July. Who the hell knows? There may not even be a season. I I never – so I just – it's hard for me to wrap my head around. They go from, okay, we have a deal in place to there's no deal in place. We're, we're delaying the first two series of the season. We're basically going to cancel them, and we'll make them up along the way, whatever language they use, and we're going to go back to negotiating, and it looked all doom and gloom, to all of a sudden, boom, we have a deal. Opening day is April 7th, and we're playing 162 games this season. That shocked me on how fast it went from these guys can't come to any sort of agreement on anything to now we are playing 162 games. The season's going. It, it, it just like you just shocked. Like, I mean, it felt, it, it almost felt like it wasn't real because how do you go from all this reporting of, Oh, they're, they're too far apart. You know, this side's over here, this side's over here. And then within like what, two days, it was boom, boom season. Deal done. Yeah. yeah, season's happening, and now and then all this, you know, then comes all the spending sprees, and you know, I mean, like that. So yeah, I I'm happy that it's back. I'm a little, I'm still a little upset, you know, but it's it's not like a '94 lockout. You know, they're still gonna have 162 games. I'm actually even a little happy they're starting the, the season a little bit later, so that way maybe we, can, you know, the home opener is not going to be negative uh, four degrees. I always said I I and they'll, they'll never do this because money would be lost. But I the baseball season to me is too long, anyways. I would love to see them reduce it to like a hundred games and start Memorial Day weekend. No, like it, it, yeah, it would make it makes so much sense to me. You that you market back to summer baseball, the summer sport. Boom, money, man. Greed is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. It, like I said, it's never going to happen. Never. That, why, why, why do you think we are even having a season? Because all the players and all the owners are like, listen, we got to make money. And, you know, either you're either you're making some or you're making none. And boom, they got that deal done. It was all about it was all about money. And you know what? I have nothing against MLB players. I really don't. I don't, I don't have anything against any sports athlete, but like. When Mike Trout comes out and he puts out a letter that says, you know, we're doing this for the fans, dude, like, no, you make 40 million a year. You're not doing this. You're not doing this for us. Casual baseball fans. They may know who Mike Trout is there. There's a difference between like casual football fans. know. I would say now who Patrick Mahomes is, you know, who Tom Brady, who the elite players are in the NFL. You know, casual basketball fans know who the top NBA players are. I, uh, if Mike Trout walked down the city of Cleveland, how many people really would know who Mike Trout is? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some. Exactly. Like, <laughs> that's like, oh, we're doing this for the fans. 
Wood fans, your hardcore fan base that you're now making P dog because you're changing the rules of the game, which we're going to get to in a second. Yeah, but you could say that. I mean, you could say that about any sport with you know, with the exception of like the top couple people, you know, top few people. There, there's not many people, even who are diehards, who would like you know look and go, oh, I know exactly who that is. You know, if they're you know, I mean, you have maybe a, what, maybe ten to fifteen people in the NFL. You know, NBA a little bit, NBA a little bit different just because of smaller teams. But that's, that's more than baseball, where maybe it's one or two. I can't think of one player outside. I can't think of one player who I would recognize outside of maybe like, and and, I, and I'm a diehard, so you know that's different. But I can't think of like one. I can't think of maybe like maybe three or four players that I would recognize out, you know, like out in the world. Right. Um. But but that's not the point. The point is, is you have one of the best players in the league who, you know, he's been hurt the last few years, but he makes $40 million a year saying we're doing this for the fans. The hell you're doing it for the fans. Like, I don't want to hear that. Don't even come at me with that whatsoever. You make $40 million a year to play baseball and you deserve every penny of it because you're one of the best that, you know, that, that's doing it right now. But don't speak for me. Don't speak for me. Speak for the players that you obviously are fighting for to get more money and let us fans talk about how we don't give a shit that you are trying to make more money. Just get the season going. You know, and I don't mean to swear, but realistically, that's that's the case. I don't care if you want to make 40 or 45 million. You know, and I understand they were fighting for you know the uh, the, the minimum to go from five to seven or five, whatever it was, five to a million. I, I can't remember the exact number, um, but you know, say you're fighting for the players. Okay, I, I can respect that. Don't tell me you're fighting for the fans because you know most of those fans obviously aren't making uh, millions of dollars, and it cost you know for us to go. We, we can buy a we can buy a ten dollar ticket to go to a Guardians game, but it costs us you know, $400 to get a, uh, a soda, a hot dog and a, uh, a hat. So don't, don't tell us you're doing it for us, but I'm happy that I am happy to have baseball back. I want to get that. I've been meaning to get that off my chest. God, I love Mike Trout. I've actually met Mike Trout before. Very, very nice guy. Eagles fan as well, by the way. Huh? Eagles fan as well. Not whatever. By the way. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a really nice guy, awesome guy. But uh, yeah, don't don't don't, don't talk to me, man. <laughs> I'll talk to myself. Um, Joey, well, Joey, I don't know if you know this about me, uh-oh. uh, but when it when it comes to baseball, I am what the old folks would call traditionalist. Oh, I uh, oh actually, I did know that a hundred percent. Okay, <laughs> I. I am a I am a guy now. With that being said, um, the the only thing that I did like out of the rule changes was I do like the the universal DH. Um, I think it will give National League teams obviously fifteen more jobs to meet pitchers. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, most of the pitchers there's you know you have your occasional Clayton Gershaw, you have your CC Sabathia from two thousand eight or whatever it was hitting monster home runs you know, once or twice a year, but you know, it, it is what it is. Most of the pitchers are mostly used for sacrifice button situations. Um, this rule change that is coming in 2023, all of this stuff, I mean, the, the shift, 
Um, let's just start there. To me, you're banning the ship, and I don't know how you feel about this. It's like banning zone defense in football is, is my analogy. You cannot tell, you know, a team how to play defense. You know, it is it is a style. And you, the way I look at it is to beat the ship, guys do not hit the ball the other way now. Guys are pulling the ball 99.9% of the time. It feels like it's the third when you go to a game when teams are shifting on you, either the third base or the first baseline is wide open. Everybody can see it. Take the pitch where it is pitched, and great hitters do this. That's why they don't shift against the great hitters because they use the whole field. Get up, get the ball to the side they're shifting and hit it that way, and they'll stop shifting on you because they're using the other part of the field. My view on banning the shift is let's take the strategy out of baseball. Well, that's, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. They're taking the strategy out of the baseball. And look at someone like, you know, look at Tito, look at Tito Francona. He is, he is playing chess 99% of the time, you know, whether, you know, especially, you know, with everything that he does, when you when you take those tools away, I, you know what? How about this? How about we just get rid of relievers? Let's go back to the you know you got to pitch the entire game. Like no, you, I don't care if you blow your arm out, pitch with your left arm. Then if you're a righty, you know that's kind of what it feels like to me when they're starting to take these rules away. You know, some guys just they can't hit it to the opposite side of the field. That's why you, that's why you put the shift on, so you get that out. So when you're when you take something like that away, you take a strategy away to help your team win a ball game, and for what? It's not. I I I, I don't I don't understand what what the, the reason for the it is. best part about baseball is the pitch to pitch adjustment between hitter and pitcher, and you're right. Some guys don't hit the ball the other way. They 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 always pull. So. In order to stop that, I mean, it's like if I'm if I'm a defense, the, the way you know, again, back back to a football analogy. If a receiver, you know, if I have a football team and I have every receiver that can't separate from man coverage, why would I call zone when I can just lock them up in man coverage every single time? I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 predictable. So if you can't hit the other way, why why can't I shift and put more defensive guys to that right or the left side of? of the infield until you make me adjust. It is a game of adjustments, and what you're doing is you're taking away the game of adjustment. Yeah, I mean, what, what, to, why don't you also take away the bunt? Uh, Which, I mean, effectively, sadly, has pretty much been eliminated from bit. More teams need to do it. Um, I don't understand why more teams don't do it. I never understood why when they have the runner on second base in, 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 in extra innings, why didn't more teams bunt to get that runner over to third base? Right. But that's what I'm saying. It's like you're banning the shift. Might as well just take away the bunt. No more stealing bases. Uh, you can only lead off by five feet or, you know, yeah. you, know you know, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Let's, let's make the bases bigger though. Oh yeah. That's yeah. A- let's, let's make the bases bigger. Like Chase Utley wouldn't still try to destroy someone's knees when if he was still playing. Uh, but, um, but I, I, I will say this: I, I like, like you said, I am a fan of. Uh, uh, I was a fan of the, the NL finally getting a DH. 
Uh, I hope they can implement that in MLB The Show when it comes out <laughs> very quickly. Uh, and uh, yeah, man, I you know, I'm very disappointed in the Guardians because Do we have to talk about them. They're... We're going to quickly talk about it because if I don't get it off my chest, I might, I might, I'm just going to punch a hole through. Go ahead. I don't want you to punch a hole through your computer. Shiny new name, terrible logo. But I felt like something something different. Like maybe they're gonna spend some money. We got this new minority owner who wants to spend cash. Is he official yet? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I thought I, I, I thought so. Sure. I don't even care if he is or not. Like he's coming in. Like all right, just to reimburse the Dolans. Jesus. And I'm like, okay, they're gonna spend some money. They need to upgrade. They need a, They need a. They need an outfielder. They have 47 middle infielders. We got it. We got to upgrade somewhere. And they just, they won't spend the money. They won't give up the prospects. What the hell are they doing? I mean, you know, uh, Mel, who's one of the hosts of uh, Guardians of the CLE, Mel and Kevin, Kevin being the owner of uh, Believe the Media, they brought up Austin Meadows today. I literally, you know, I got so excited. Just, you know, I'm like, oh my God, like, that'd be great. That'd be yeah. a great pickup. Nope. No, not, not, nothing yet. You know, every time Antonetti has a bowel movement, uh, we think that he's he's making a trade. <laughs> and then you then you have to remember, and this is like the problem is like then you have to go back and remember just because they have a new name, just because they're making a you know they're they're doing new things in the stadium, it's still the Dolans that own the team. It's the Guardians is the Guardians, you know, and no, nothing nothing's changed. They're gonna play. They're gonna play that that money ball. They're gonna have one of the lowest. Uh, 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 salaries in in the MLB, and that's just the way it's going to be Un- until someone steps up and says, "You know what? Cleveland is a city who, in the middle of the '90s, sold out for what four years straight, something like that." Like this also is a this is also a baseball town. We are a sports town. That's why we have three professional teams. You can if you you know what if you want to bring an NHL team, I'm sure that we probably sell that out too. I mean, but you got to give us a reason to want to go outside of Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber. I mean, I love all the Guardians, but at the end of the day, give us a reason to come to the park. Like, I want to see home runs. I want to see great pitching. I want to see great fielding. But you're rolling with the same team that you did last year who that didn't make the playoffs. You're not making any sort of moves. You're not willing to part with, you know, you have the eighth best, best farm system in the, in all the major leagues. You know, if you got to part with some, some young players, then that's what you got to do. If you're going to bring in someone that can help you right now, because we have the pitching, we still have Jose Ramirez. You know, if we have, if we got two or three more or not, even, yeah, two, if we got like one or two more pieces in that lineup, you know, that could hit, you know, we, I mean, you know, who knows where Fran Will Reyes is? Is he going to, you know, bust out, and, you know, bomb 40 homers? Cause he's just, he just seems like, I, I don't know what he's going to do. I can never tell if he's going to, you know, bust he's, out he's, for a he's huge a streaky year. Player. It depends on the month. Some months he has yeah. 20 homers and other months he has zero. Well, yeah, I mean, like Austin Meadows would be a great fit here. Uh, you know, I mean, go, I mean, go after someone, get somebody to get me excited. They, they signed a catcher who I don't even know his name because that's how important he is for nine hundred k. 
Like that's like that's gonna like you know, and I think my, was Mel or Max or someone said you know, and that was and that was a great you know who's who was the first Guardians player to be signed. It's gonna be no, who the hell's gonna know that? Oh man. So you know oh. we, we we don't know, but God, do something, Antonetti. Jesus. All right, Joey, I'm going to leave baseball there. We are going to transition to one of our last topics here. Let's talk some wrestling. Some wrestling. There, there's a lot to dive into with wrestling. Obviously, I think you're going to laugh when I say this, but we are yes, 16 am. days away from the most, well, let me just do this, stupendous WrestleMania in history. We have been told again, time and time and time again. Um, I know there are a lot of feelings, let me put it this way, on mm. this year's WrestleMania card. Um, <laughs> there are some people that believe this is the worst WrestleMania card in history. When you said when you said stupendous, I was actually I was hoping you were gonna say stupid, but okay, go to continue. There are some <laughs> people that believe that it could be a very good WrestleMania. There are some people like myself that believe that WrestleMania is just strictly sports entertainment, and this is what World Wrestling Entertainment has done for the past 37 years of WrestleMania. I give you it is a little bit more extreme with the celebrity guests this year, but WWE has always been involved in pop culture, and it depends on your taste in wrestling. Like, I've said this a lot of times, like, if you don't like WWE, that's fine by me. If you love AEW or if you hate AEW or if you love New Japan or whatever's out there, like wrestling is such a niche sport. AEW, AEW. You're one of the people that love all of wrestling. And I, I told do. you this before, you are a very rare breed. Um, you are one of the people that don't pick sides of anything. You just, you like all different sorts of wrestling. So let me just ask you this question. When you look at this year's WrestleMania card, let's start with that. You, you know, what is your thoughts? So, so where are you leaning? Let me run, let me, let me run down the matches that we have right now. Okay. And I'm going to be quick about this. United States championship match, Finn Balor versus Damian priest, Damian priest, you know, lost title to Finn turned heel. Love that match. Finn Balor, phenomenal wrestler, Damian Priest. I think he is, I think that he's not, not only was he, a, you know, is he a good wrestler? He's a young, a good young wrestler as well. Um, really looking forward to that. RK Bro versus Street Profits. Love this match. And I believe I, Alpha Academy is going to be added in there real quick. I believe that they're going to make that a triple threat. And I love Alpha Academy too. Like, I mean, they're, they're all great tag teams. I always like when a, the, a company has a great tag team division. You know, when you have great tag teams, and that's something that WWE has gotten away from in the you know in uh, in recent years is having a good tag team division. Yep. I mean, you literally have had the New Day and and the, Usos, and the Usos, yeah, just basically running you know roughshod over the because those are the only two tag team tag teams. So having you know this really good tag division now is. Uh, really good. I'm really looking forward to that match as well. That could be a, a banger, especially, you know, Randy Orton is a legend. Matt Riddle, definitely, you know, an up-and-comer, maybe a future champion one day. We'll see. And the Street Profits, you know, I think could be up there with uh, the Usos as one of the best tag teams uh, of all, you know, of all time if they hey, stay together. Hey, listen, real quick. I was at Raw 
two weeks ago when mm. RK Bro won the Raw Tag Team Dose and that triple threat with Rollins KO and then obviously Alpha okay. County. That was the best live match. And I haven't been to every wrestling. I've only been to like three or four wrestling shows in my life. Mm-hmm. But that to me was the best live match I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, there's some there's some really good uh really good tag team matches and, and then you know tag matches just allow you to tell sometimes they allow you to tell a really good story even better sometimes in single matches because you you know you add that extra element in there um then you got the tag team uh uh the smackdown tag the smackdown tag championships which is the usos versus rick rick boogs and uh shinsuke nakamura okay love the usos love shinsuke nakamura why? Why do you got this guy? Why do you got? Why do you got Rick with Shinsuke? Come, come, Boogs come on! Boogs is awesome. Come on, come on, man! No, come on! Come hey, on! Boogs is awesome. No, I can't. I can't. I love Shinsuke. I love the Usos. I, I, I can't. I, I don't like. I don't. I don't like him with, with Shinsuke. I think it could. I think it still could be a good match, but I don't know. It's just that's just, it's just one of those. Yeah, I mean, like if you, I, I can't, I can't see the Usos dropping the titles. Not to not the Boogs or Boogs. Or how, how does he say his name? Boo. <laughs> there you go. Then you got Stone Cold Steve Austin appears on the KO show. Okay, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins need to be in matches at WrestleMania. They are two of the best professional wrestlers in WWE. Why they don't have matches is absolutely asinine to me. I, they just let them wrestle each other for 20 minutes because it'd be a banger of a match. Like, I don't even care. Get them on the card. But instead, you're going to have Stone Cold come in and me and Trump is off the air. Stone, this is exact. I'm, I'm, mark this, timestamp this because this is what's going to happen. Kevin Owens is going to talk about Stone Cold, blah, 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 blah. Uh, the music's going to hit. Psh, He's going to come out, say something, do his little drinking the beer thing, uh, uh, give KO the stunner, walk out, and that's the WrestleMania moment. That's what's going to happen. That's all it's going to be, and it's going to, you know, it's going to get the pop because it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, now we get into one of my, one of my uh, matches that I, I, you know, I'm about to throw my phone through the door. Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. And I know we have talked about this. You think this could be the match that steals the show. I didn't say steal the show. That's you said the one that is exactly verbatim. You no, said I best. said Pat and Theory could steal the show. Okay, well, you said this could be one of the best one of the best matches on the card. It could be. I know it could be a very be. entertaining match. I think this, see, I think this is the perfect example. Oh my god, sports entertain. Okay, yes. If you're looking pure at it from a purely sports entertainment factor, yeah, like Wee Man comes in and hits uh you know, hits Sami Zayn in the in the nuts or something like that, and then you know, Preston jumps off of the top rope because he's 400 pounds and yeah, okay. Like if you want like sports entertainment, I put that in quotations. Okay, but like man. This is the this is the intercontinental title. This it's is not. A, I keep telling you, it's not. It is. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's not. I'm sorry. I, for some reason, I kept thinking it was for the. I kept thinking it was for the title, but uh, yeah. I mean, if they would have put that for the title, I would have. I don't even know if I would watch WrestleMania. Who's the IC champion again? Ricochet. 
Ricochet. That's right. I love Ricochet. I don't know why I kept forgetting that. This is, this, is, this is just a stupid filler match with a celebrity. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. If you want to talk about it, go ahead, because this is your show. But I, I, I can't. Okay, so really quickly, because I, I, did, I did want to bring this up about Stone Cold. Because um, I know you think uh, it's, it's going to be a stunner, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you. I 100% believe it's going to be more than just a stunner. I don't think it's going to be a full match, but I also don't think it's going to be a stunner and whatever. I think it's going to be a broad type, and I think it's going to go on, and I think Stone Cold is going to actually take some bumps. Because yesterday on the Rich Eisen show, Stone Cold made an appearance. And we all know Stone Cold has come back and he's delivered a lot of stunners. So it's not like he has never not been back inside the ring. But this is what he told Rich Eisen yesterday. And you can take this, but I'm going to read this directly from Kate Side Seats. He said, this opportunity comes up. KO starts running me down and gets my attention. It was never where I kind of said, I'm never going to get in the ring again. In this business, never say never. I would never get in, but prompted by the right person at the right time. Hell, I wish he would have pissed me off a little sooner than he did to give me more time to prep. But when you step in the ring, it's like stepping onto a football field. That's where the business happens. I'm doing this for me. I'm going to go out there to have a damn blast. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to wear these two fists out on KO. I'm sure he's going to get some too because he's had an amazing career. I'm glad he pissed me off when he did. When I left, I didn't want to leave. At WrestleMania 19, my neck had presented some problems. After I, after I had got spiked and landed on my head in 1999, I had my neck fused up. So this comeback means a lot to me. As I've been getting back into in a ring shape, I'm going to go out there and do the absolute best I can. I find it odd that he would admit that. If not, then why just why not just have a match? Why have to do the whole KO show spiel? Because I think he doesn't want it to turn into what happened to Shawn Michaels in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago. Yeah, but I mean, if you promote it as Kevin Owens versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, that is a huge talking point as opposed to Stone Cold's going to appear on the KO show. Like, Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back in a match is a massive thing. Right. Whereas just having him as, you know, an appear, you know, a, a guest, I don't know. Like, so, you know, hopefully it turns into something, but, I, you know, I think that that's, that, that was a bit, that they promoted that one wrong. If, if he is going to wrestle a little bit and take a few bumps, they should have promoted it as a match. That's just my that's just, that's I, just my I completely opinion. agree. But you know, maybe it was Austin who said he, you know he take a, maybe he didn't like I said, maybe he's the one that said, Hey, I don't want a full match. Um, because I, I think they were clearly leaning towards Austin and Gale having a match. And 
because it seemed all of a sudden so rushed that he just announced on it felt like they were building it and building it and building it and then he just announced it to be on the ko show after they went away from it a little bit of like being austin because i think the rumors started getting out that stone cold was potentially coming back and so i think plans changed where maybe they wanted it to be a match or he didn't or vice versa somewhere along the lines something of that did not quit because it always felt like it's going to be one of the main attractions of one of the nights is Stone Cold and KO having some sort of match or bra or whatever word you want to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I agree, but I still think they promoted it wrong. <laughs> well, I'll, I will give you that. Right. Um, It'll be, and, you know, if that's the case, though, you know, if that's if that's really the case, it's it's gonna be that'll be a blast to watch. You know what? I be, before we move on to night two, I I, I want to throw this at you. I want to talk I, about I, I, I'm not doing this in like night one or two. I'm just, okay. just just a list of matches. Can we talk about the two main women's, the two singles women's we'll, matches? We'll, we'll get there. We'll, okay, we'll get there. Let's 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 just finish. All right, go ahead. Pat McAfee, Austin Theory. I think this is going to bang. I agree with you. Pat McAfee's feud with uh, Undisputed Era and NXT was awesome. It was an awesome, awesome feud. Pat McAfee is almost brilliant in everything he does. He he was he was way better than I ever expected in the ring. I think that this could be a really, really good match. Um, so, you know, we'll see what, I mean, Austin Theory is like, I, I don't know how to describe him. I, he's like a jobber that is going to eventually be a champion. <laughs> Theory is on, I, I don't know if you agree with me on this. He is a, he's on a Corbin level in WWE right now where he gets good reaction when it comes to getting uh, booed. That, when, he's also one of McMahon's favorites right now for uh, somehow. I mean, being in a storyline with the damn boss of the freaking company, and listen, credit to Pat McAfee, who, who you know, obviously did has the whole YouTube show thing. The man got Vince McMahon on his show to open up more about Vince's personal life than I have ever seen. That was probably the most enjoyable interview I've ever seen Vince McMahon in. And that was one of the reasons why I got psyched for this match. Because I, I believe personally, if Pat McAfee wanted to, he could drop the, the YouTube show right now. He could drop being a commentator on SmackDown, and he could become a full-time professional wrestler and be very well at it. Yeah, I, but, he, but he makes so much money on his podcast. I mean, there's no reason for him to do so. Exactly. But... <laughs> You have him, you have Theory, who is a guy who is very good at what he does character-wise. Right. I, he's not he's the, not the he's not the best wrestler, no, but he is very good character-wise. And so when you get that, when you get an angry Pat McAfee who <laughs> believes all of this is real and just wants to beat the hell out of somebody. Maybe even the boss gets involved. Maybe they make Vince the special guest referee or a special enforcer or something to, I don't know if you want to say, add the promotional value of putting Vince on the card or not if they if they want to do that. Because the remember the original week was that they were going to do Pat versus Vince. And I thought that I mean that hell? that that was never a that was never a, a, a that was just a rumor that was never a 
you know, that was ever confirmed. I, I they, you know, because like they they said immediately after after Vince offered McAfee the match that they thought it was gonna be for Austin Theory. Yeah. Like they said for a second it was gonna be against Vince, but then they said they switched it to theory and they ended up being right. But you know, I think I think that could be a really good match. I think I think McAfee comes on top. Just just kind of moving on because some of these matches I don't give a sh- I really don't care about. Uh, Drew Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. Uh, I, the, the only thing I'll say about this match is, uh, I think Corbin's a good wrestler. I think, you know, McIntyre's a good wrestler. I think it could be a, you know, a fairly okay match. Um, I'm not expecting anything spectacular from it, but I'm going to say this. Do you think this is going to be the first time someone kicks out of the end of days? Oh, yes, okay. I do. And I do think that this was a way, because I think Drew McIntyre, they're going to try to build him back up to that championship level, I believe. He obviously got lost a little bit in the shuffle this year because what's going on with the main title picture? I think it's a way to get him on the card. And listen, Corbin's always been this guy, right? He's been a mid-card guy. He's a mid-card feud. He always gets on the card. Certainly, this doesn't feel like a WrestleMania match, and I completely mm-hmm. agree with you. They could have did this at the Rumble or, or you know, Elimination Chamber, wherever they had McIntyre fight Matt Cat Moss for. But I think the storyline they're going for here is Corbin is, quote-unquote, undefeated as happy Corbin. And so McIntyre getting a big victory here after Corbin beats him down will, I think, propel McIntyre potentially back into some sort of title picture, whether it's the mid-card or the world title picture. Agreed. Uh, Women's Tag Team Championship, Queen Zelina and Carmelo versus Naomi and Sasha Banks. Now, I give you this match, I don't give two single shits about. Okay, so I agree with you with the exception of Sasha Banks is one of my favorite women wrestlers. I think that and she is in that role of it doesn't matter if she's trying to be good or bad. She is always getting cheered. One of the few women that that, that, that does it. Even, you know, Charlotte Flair gets booed. Uh, you know, everyone has, you know, had heel face. They get their cheers or their boos. Sasha Banks will always get cheered no matter what she's doing. Uh, I have a feeling something will happen in this match. Maybe Naomi and Sasha are about to win the titles, and then Bailey comes out, and you know something happens. Who knows? Because uh, I know I know Bailey's ready to come back. I know uh, Asuka's ready to come back. I mean, you got two, you know, two great uh, you know female wrestlers who are ready to come back, and they have nothing for them right now, which is just crazy to me. Get the titles off of uh, Queen Zelina and Carmelo, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Naomi and Sasha probably win. Just because they got to get the titles off of Zelina and Carmella, because the last on Raw when they had the whole Corey Graves and Carmella bit, I just cringed so hard. I I just I wanted to punch. I, I hate Corey Graves. Jesus, love them as a wrestler, you know, back in the day. But oh my god, get get that off my TV. Here is uh, you know what I'm going to skip this one because we're going to come back and talk about it. The Miz and Logan Paul versus the Mysterios. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I didn't want to talk about it. Hope the Mysterios win in like three seconds. I hope that's the match, and that's the end of it because I just I want nothing to do with Logan Paul. Uh, nothing against him as a person because I don't. I try not to pass judgment, but I, I just don't care. I hate the celebrity matches. I I I, I I'm done. <laughs> that's 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 my thought. 
we just have different <clears throat> views on we have more different views on wrestling than I feel like other sports, which it's okay because as I said, wrestling is kind of that niche <sighs> sport. It's like you you like what you like, you don't like what you, you the, like the celebrities in these matches when I think like as a promotion, there's guys like Ricochet doesn't have a match. So I grew up with Logan Paul and Ricochet. He's more entertaining to me. That's ridiculous. No character. Can Logan Paul do a can Logan Paul do a six thirty seven? Can Logan Paul get more reaction than Ricochet? Absolutely, he can. Uh, because because people want to see Ricochet. That's his job. Logan Paul gets booed because that's his job. People hate him. People want to see him get his ass kicked. People want to see people want to see Ricochet. That's why he's getting booed. No, he's not getting booed. Ricochet is getting cheered, doing these stupid 630s and flying off the top rope. He's how got is no it, character. How is that stupid? He's one of the best. See, and this is and this is where we differ. You like the sports entertainment aspect. I'm entertained by the professional by the professional wrestling and aspect. It's two completely different things. I just want you to know that everyone's entitled to their opinion, but your opinion is wrong. <laughs> That's a match. I will. The only reason I will watch that match is because I love Rey Mysterio. I hate Dominic Mysterio, but I love Rey Mysterio. I hate Dominic too. I will give you that. And by um, the way, Miz makes anything entertaining. So the Miz, the Miz is just criminally underrated as you know one. I mean, he's he's been a workhorse in WWE for a very long time. By the way, did anybody real quick? Did anybody have any expectations for Bad Bunny last year? People were saying this guy's so. I hate it. No. I did. I, I thought because there was a lot, there was a lot of hype leading up to that match of how good he actually was. So I was, I was very intrigued by that. Not because, not because of the fact that he was a celebrity, but because the buzz was that he was actually very good in the ring, and he was, and he was. Well, yeah. Again, we'll, we'll see. For all we know, Logan Paul could be great in the ring. I don't, I don't know. know. You know what? All I know is if Logan Paul ends up being terrible and it's a terrible match, I better be on here just so I can say I told you so again. <laughs> I'll give you that. I, I will All right. give you that. So next up, and this I can – oh, my God. I, I cannot wait for this match. Edge versus AJ Styles. You think you know me? <laughs> you never did. <laughs> <laughs> the phenomenal – AJ, the the former the former leader of the Bullet Club, a man who has traveled the world perfecting his craft, one of the greatest wrestlers, professional wrestlers of all time, against the rated R superstar, though what fourteen time fourteen or twelve eleven time world eleven time world champion WWE Hall of Famer, a man who is who is who has reinvented himself more times than I think almost anybody else. This is going to be, in my opinion, one of the best matches on the card. I think both men are going to leave everything out there and put out an absolute banger. And I think they're both motivated. And you know this. I've told you this before. Edge is my favorite wrestler of all time. There is nobody close. I I have everything Edge you could imagine. Um so this character change is a little bit different for me because 
Meadowing is such an iconic song. It is. Um, his entrance is so iconic, but you know what? People change. And the edge has been soft. Edge has gotten beat by that dickhead Roman Reigns. Edge has gotten <laughs> beat by that bastard Seth Rollins that made him go on a structure at SmackDown at MSG. Edge has been wrestling in feuds with his wife. That's not the Edge we know. The Edge we know is a crazy, sadistic bastard. And he just opened up a completely new mind. And I believe he will also open up a completely new, the Pitbull, the aggressive AJ Styles. And I believe both of these men will, this could be the best match on the entire card. I think that's why they, they took it off. It was originally going to be on night two. Now they're saying they don't know what night it's going to be. They may put it on night one because I think they realized they may need it on night one because I think night two looks a little bit better right now. I think these guys are going to absolutely kill it. 25, you, 30 minutes, just go. I, I agree 100%. And I'm going to say this. You know what? Just for the hell of it, build up a story in the next two weeks and have Ricochet versus Seth Rollins for the for the, for the U.S. title. Can I throw something out at you? What's that? Rollins is going to fight Cody. That would okay. That that would be. Can we throw Ricochet in there too? So so Cody gets the title. I think I've seen a lot <laughs> of speculation. I think Ricochet is going to be thrown in to the new day. Seamus, Ridge, Holland, Butch storyline. Now that Big E, obviously, unfortunately, has a get, broken neck. Get 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 better, Big E. Great wrestler, good guy. Man, that that really sucked. People have been saying that Ricochet obviously had that history with Seamus and Rich Holland, him and Cesaro. Of course, yeah. future endeavors, Cesaro, you're going to be great wherever you end up. Could mm-hmm. be in AEW, could be somewhere else. Um, Ricochet was obviously involved in them in a long time. It feels like everybody else in the Intercontinental Championship picture, whether it's Sami Zayn or some of the other guys, or something else going on. So, I see title. That's what I mean. they'll, they'll, they'll find a way. They they will find a way to put Ricochet in the start. I'm telling you. I, I, I like Ricochet as a wrestler. He's, yeah, he's, a, he's a great wrestler. He's entertaining as hell. Um, wrestling. Not at promos, but at wrestling. He's, he's entertaining as hell. All right. So we're, now we're jumping into – Raw Women's Championship, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. This needs to main event night one. I know it won't, but I would put this as the main event. Who is winning? Bianca. This is is Bianca's moment. Listen, I know you're not the biggest fan, and I wasn't either, to be truthfully honest. Until Bianca beat Sasha at WrestleMania, I saw her as champion keep getting over with the crowd. I think Bianca Belair, I enjoy Bianca Belair a lot more than the SmackDown Woman Champion right now, personally. I think Bianca Belair has it all to be a superstar. And let's be honest, I'm just going to say this. If Becky does, if Becky somehow defeats Bianca, okay, it's like you wouldn't be too upset of the booking. But after that, there is literally no one else for no. Becky to face. B- B- Bianca wins and it's Bianca has all the tools to be to become uh, a huge huge star. The only my only problem with her right now is she is she needs she needs work on her promos. 
that would be that's my that's my only knock against yep. her. It's not you know she, like when Becky Lynch talks, everyone listens. When Bianca Belair when Bianca Belair talks, you're like, eh. but then you see her in the ring, you're like, wow, okay. So uh, you know, honestly, I think Becky, you know, I, you know Becky, you know, and Seth both, you know, they both have their kid. So I think Becky will probably take a little bit of time off of this to to, to spend time with with uh, you know baby Rollins and Bianca Belair wins. And they kind of push her, especially now you're going to, and then she's going to have stiff competition, you know, with Oscar and Alexa Bliss back now. And, you know, I know they're, they're not going to be on the show, you know, Bailey, but I mean, there's going to be, you know, there, there's, there's these, all these women are coming back from injuries and there's going to be plenty of opportunity for some good rivalries uh, coming up here very soon. Uh, moving on, SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. Let me, let me, let me, let me start with this one. Go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Let me fire and say this. Um, I don't care as much as WWE wants me to. Uh, I think the thing the thing is Rhonda's promo skills are absolutely fucking terrible. She, don't let her speak again. Put, put her with Paul Heyman. When, that she needs a manager. Seriously. If, yeah, but if, she. But the problem is, like, you couldn't. You can't put like a a B plus. Like, I, actually, like, what manager is out there that you could put her with that would make her any better? Like the only, like the only person I could think of, you know, is Paul Heyman that would be able to do anything for her. And obviously, that's not going to happen. And they're bringing her back in the busy, face. He is it, too it, busy being awesome with Roman. It's 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 a bad idea. Um, now saying it, I do think that their match is going to be good. I don't think it's going to be nothing special. I do think they have a better match. So I think it could be good. I think I think their match could be very good. It just depends on how good Rousey has kept up uh, since she also had a baby. So you know how good she's kept up since. Um, you know, Charlotte is a, she's a, she is just a, a professional. So she always makes, you know, others look good. Uh, so it has the opportunity to, to be very good, but it, you know, if, if Rousey can hold her own and not have to have Charlotte carry her, this has, this could be a good match. I just, I'm not invested in it whatsoever. I don't really care who wins as long as I see a good match. I'm okay with it, but I just, it's just whatever. Like with, with, with Becky and Bianca, I'm, you know, I'm excited because I want to see that passing of the torch. That's what it feels like to me. You know, Bianca could do things I've never seen another woman wrestler do. And it's like that they, match. They, that match already has a storyline. I'm sorry. It's got, and it's, yes, exactly. Because of SummerSlam, the 26 yep. seconds, then she yeah. gets screwed at Extreme Rules because it's Sasha Banks when she legitimately had Becky beat. Yeah. Then, you know, she had to work her way up. She had to go through Dewdrop and Liv Morgan and whoever else. Man, you know, that was a, what an impressive, uh, you know, when she got, she got Dewdrop. She got Dewdrop up with the, the KOD. Yeah, that's um, unbelievable. But yeah, they have a story. I, I am going to say this about the SmackDown Women Championship. It depends to me how much Ronda's staying around. Because if Ronda is going to be full-time, I can yeah. very well see the end of night one of WrestleMania being Ronda Rousey holding up the SmackDown Women Championship. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it depends. It depends on how, yeah, how long she wants to stick around for. It, I mean, what? Oh my god, 
what if and i know this will this won't happen but i'm just spitballing here what if so what if end of night what, what if okay so night one is let's say night one is becky bianca and bianca beats becky night two ronda beats charlotte then Becky comes out and challenges her to a match for the title right then and there. Well, they're actually both going to be on the same night, so it's not oh, going to Oh, they're doing it the same both night? Both women's matches are on the same night. The only women's match on night two is the tag team title match. Well, then what if you do – well, no, because would, that wouldn't – which matches – well, one of those matches has to close one out. Of the are gonna close out to, Ronda and Charlotte is likely – I said Bianca and Becky. I would put Bianca and Becky. I would actually almost open up with Ronda and Charlotte. Get him out of the way. You know, Ronda can do her fighting thing, whatever. Yeah. Let him have a good match. Get him out of the way and let Bianca and Becky main event. Though I think they could actually flip it. Very yeah. well could be possible. Bianca and Becky might even open up the show. And and finally, I definitely went over on this. I thought it would be quick. And I, you know, we, we got, but we got to talk about it. The tribal chief, my tribal chief, the head, head of, of the, the table. table. The man that I acknowledge, Roman Reigns. Yet today, you just did. Gotta Ro- acknowledge him every day. Roman Reigns versus the Beast Incarnate, a man who is having one of I think the best runs of his wrestling career. Brock Lesnar, title versus title to unify the Universal and the Heavyweight Championships. This is, I think this is going to be a banger of a match. I think there's going to be so much going on. I does Paul Heyman flip again? The I man, I don't know what's going to happen. I my heart is telling me that Roman Reigns, I'm sorry, my head is telling me that Roman Reigns is going to win. And it's because Brock is not full time. I don't think he's full time yet. And doing this solidifies Roman as one of the best modern era wrestlers in WWE. He's had the title. He's, he's had the smack. He's had the universal title for what, like five, almost five hundred days. Almost six hundred days. Almost six hundred days. I believe so. Yeah, it's, okay. it's over five hundred. So if you give, if if you put the belt on him, he you solidify Roman as he is the he's the man. There is no, there will, there is, you know, he is the best of this, of, of this modern generation. You go the other way. I think that it's like the redemption for Brock Lesnar. You know, ha, I, want, I almost want to call him happy Lesnar because that's kind of what he seems like. Like he comes out, he's like, he seems like he's having so much fun. Like, you know, he's not really a people person, but he seems like he's kind of like, he really came out of the show. He's having fun with the fans. He's having fun with this run. He's not taking it too seriously. He's not, you know, like he's, he's really enjoyable to watch and he's fun to listen to. Like he could cut his own promos. Mm -hmm. He didn't need Paul Heyman. Uh, I mean, I mean, he did because I mean, everyone could use Paul Heyman. I mean, I would like if Paul Heyman came in right now, like he just talked to me, that'd be, be amazing. Yeah. But uh, God, like it's just it's hard because like my heart, my, my head's telling me Roman, but my heart's for some reason is telling me Brock. But I really want it to be Roman. I I am with you one hundred percent because the last five or six words you just said. Um, <laughs> my my head says Roman, heart says Brock. Though I wanted to be Brock, not Roman. 
Um, why? But let me look. Why? Like, it, it, I think it's more important. So, Brock Lesnar, I mean, 20 years he's been in WWE, I think. I think it's been, I think it's 20 years close to it, something like that. Like, he has, there's nothing left for him to do. Roman Reigns, who this company has been riding for like the last six years and had like you listen to any interview with anybody talk about Roman Reigns. There is not one person from any company that says a bad word about him. He is a locker room leader. He is, people say they love wrestling that you don't realize how good he is until you're actually in the ring with him. Like I have never heard one person say a bad word about Roman Reigns. I think you have to give him the title. It means more to give it to it mean this moment right here means more to Roman than it would to Brock. The baby face fan in me is loves Brock Lesnar. And this is the way I, I, I'm just gonna say it this way. This is the way I see WrestleMania 38 closing. I think, in my opinion, and I could be completely wrong, this could be me dream booking and speculating. Roman defeats Brock Queen. And then the rock comes out. <laughs> he holds up both championship belts, says, I'm the, uh, you know, undisputed, whatever they want. I name it unified, universal, whatever they name it. All of a sudden, if you smell, oh my God, rock is cooking. And it's just a stare down. And that is the prelude to the rock. Whichever way they want to do it, whether he comes back in 2023, wins the Rumble, however the, however they want to book that match, set it up. Roman and Rock are made of adding WrestleMania 39. Let me just say, let me tell you something. If that happened, and I'm I'm telling you right now, I hope with every part, every fiber of my being that that happens, because if that happens. I think that like the noise would blow the freaking roof off of off of the the stadium. Yep. I mean, Roman wins. People are going to be cheering. People are going to be booing. It's going to be kind of mayhem as it is. And then you, like you said, you hear the Boom. "if you smell," and then the crowd is just erupts and like we're like Paul Paul Heyman's going crazy in the corner like selling it that that'll make it even better oh my god that and then yeah the stare down between Roman and the rock oh my god that would be that would be the way to end the show and that I mean but you know well Joey Unfortunately, that's the way we got to end our show today because I this is going on way too much way too long that, that I plan on doing it. Thank you though so much. I mean, this was a lot of fun. We, we didn't get to any NBA stuff, but we talked too much NBA anyway. Thank, thank and, God. Every, every Wednesday and Thursday, <laughs> gotta, we all things cast podcast. So, guys, gotta save it for Wednesday. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. I'll let you shout out any of the social medias, anything you want before I let you go. Follow me at uh, goodfella underscore Joey on Twitter. Uh, make sure you listen to us uh, uh, on the All Things Cavaliers podcast uh, for Believe in Media LLC. And uh, make sure you check out the, the articles. A lot of great people there. Uh, Brandon, this was awesome. Been a pleasure. Been been nice to talk about stuff other than uh, than NBA. Uh, even though I love NBA, don't get me wrong, but uh you know, talk some football, talk some wrestling, talk some baseball. We had a blast. Thank you very much for having me on. 
Thanks, Joey. Appreciate it, guys. You already know what to do. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at BrendanLewis underscore seven. The show at Real underscore B Word. Make sure to check us out wherever you get the Friends World podcast. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace.